Welcome to Text Talks. Text Talks is a podcast about entrepreneurship in and around Austin at the University of Texas. Text Talks is brought to you by the Herb Kelleher Center for Entrepreneurship, Growth, and Renewal. We have a ton of great content out there already, so please check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes and go subscribe to the podcast. And you can also check us out at texttalks.info. Again, that's texttalks.info. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. So, Aaron, thanks again for joining us. Well, heck yeah, thanks for having me. So, can I do? So, I read something that was pretty interesting uh, about how you got started, and I heard that the first brisket that you made, you thought was horrible. So, I don't uh, think I was the only one that thought that. <laughs> so, what I'm, what I'm curious about is take me back to when you started and talk a little bit about how you got started in barbecue. Um, I, well, so, pretty much, gosh, I guess that was about 14 or 15 years ago. Um, I'd gone to Academy and bought this little $99 offset cooker, you know, no big deal. Just, you know, my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, um, had just gotten our first place together. I was like, hey, let's go buy a grill, woo! And, uh, you know, so I picked this thing up and called up my dad, and, or I, I bought a brisket at HEB. It was like 99 cents a pound, super duper cheap. Um, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have bought that one. Yeah, I could have got something nicer. Um, but uh, anyway, so I called up my dad and was like, hey, I got this brisket. What do I do with it? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Well, that's weird. And I'll tell you why that's weird. Because my family ran a barbecue joint when I was a kid. <laughs> so I was like, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so anyway, I got on uh, the old dial-up internet and asked this fellow named Jeeves uh, how to cook a brisket. And he didn't really have any answers. So I, uh, from pretty much that point on, I was like, well, I'm just going to build a fire and see what happens. And I did. And turns out it was really fun. I had a great time. And you know, it was kind of nostalgic. I spent a good part of my childhood kind of poking at the fire at my parents' barbecue place uh, that was down in Bryan, Texas. It's no longer there. And they got wise and sold it real quick. Um, you know, so it was kind of, just kind of fun. And then, uh, you know, so I cooked it. Next night, had some friends over, like any other good Texan would. And uh, we ate the brisket, reheated it, of course. Um, and it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good at all. But I was hooked. So what, what then happened then? So you, you had one initial failure, I guess, and then... Well, I wouldn't really time. call it a failure necessarily. The okay. food itself was terrible, but I was kind of like, wow, I had so much fun. This yeah. was super neat because, I mean, just by default, you know, I like to tinker with things. I like to build stuff. I like to... At that point, I did carpentry. I built custom vans. I played rock and roll. Um, you know, I, I still do, sort of. Um, you know, so I kind of like, I like to do stuff with my hands anyway, so barbecue just kind of, and I enjoyed cooking already, so that was kind of everything lumped into one type of cuisine, and uh, yeah, it was just kind of, so that kind of lit the fire, so to speak. <laughs> so then you just kept making the briskets, and kind of So at that point, we, um, we started having these backyard barbecues, because I spent a lot of time at the rock clubs playing the music, so, uh, you know, I'd be playing a show, so we'd be like, hey, next Sunday, third Sunday of this month, or you know, whatever, start inviting people. So we kind of ended up doing these pretty sizable backyard barbecues. And that went on for probably, I don't know, maybe four, five, six years or so, and, um, or less. My timeline's a little weird. Um, so, you know, we started having barbecues, and I got a better cooker, and made two briskets, and made three, and then see how many people we could feed and how much better I could get at it. And then it just kind of became 
sort of a mission at that point. It's like, man, we're going to have like the most badass barbecues ever. Cool. And, uh, you know, it just ended up being a lot of fun. And then by the end of it, uh, I think a lot of people were kind of like, man, it'd be cool if you opened up a place. And of course, I haven't been thinking that the whole time. It was like, well, you know, when we were doing our backyard barbecues, I was just kind of pretending and like kind of doing little dry runs of like, if, if this was a restaurant, how would this work? How would this work? And kind of piecing stuff together in my head. And, um, you know, towards the end of that, we ended up having backyard barbecues. I think the last one was like 130-something people. And, um, and that was the first time that there was an actual line. Um, and at that point, we had also, we didn't, we just rented houses then. And um, we were actually like starting to rent houses with big enough backyards to actually facilitate a huge barbecue. And um, we're like, oh, this house is terrible. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it's all about the backyard. It's all about the backyard. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they, the backyard barbecues were starting to get pretty, pretty cuckoo, and um, eventually we kind of just bought a trailer. My wife found a trailer on Craigslist for $300, and um, it lived in our backyard for a while while I sort of worked on it, and um, then one night I was helping a friend replace a window in a, in a place off of I-35 in, a, in an old Texaco station from the late 40s, and... Um, he was opening up a coffee roaster place there, and I was like, hey, man, you should, uh, you should fix up that trailer and park it back here. Sell some barbecue. I'm like, huh, all right, cool. And that was all it took. It was like, a friend would be like, hey, just park it back there. Don't worry about rent until you start making money. Done. And uh, I don't think I slept for three days. I was so excited. But, um, you know, because I'd been piecing all this stuff together. I was like, I had a warmer. I had the trailer. I had, you know, it really kind of been, my wife likes to call it hoarding, but I like to call it stockpiling. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it took about a year to build the trailer, did it in our backyard, and uh, we opened up a barbecue joint at a 3421 North I-35, um, behind a chain link fence with razor wire, with no sign, um, between Dreamers and Chigas Bonitas. Um, so it was a real family place. You know? I'm glad he didn't charge rent. Actually, we paid rent, but you know. <laughs> so, so my next question was going to be, was that scary for you to go out on your own? But it sounds like that was something that you really relished. So was that something from when you were younger or even when you were doing the whole rocker thing that you eventually saw yourself starting a business? Or was this just something that just was an opportunity that you turned into it? You know, I've looked back a whole bunch and tried to think about it. Like, man, how did we get here? Like, as much as you kind of want to be like, oh, we did this thing and we got lucky and then this happened and then we were here and then this happened and cool, that's neat. But, I mean, really, I think, I kind of didn't ever think about it, but I always knew that we were going to do something. I just didn't know what. I was like, man, ah, things are going to be fine. You know, we'll, we'll open up something one day. And I also grew up in two family businesses. So it's, you know, my grandparents owned a record store that turned into a guitar shop later, and then my parents had a restaurant. So, I don't know, it just seemed like a pretty organic path. And that's, so it's interesting because one of the most important decisions that it seems like you've made is kind of keeping that one location that once you moved into brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that. What, I mean, is there a power of exclusivity that you're going after, or is it just a supply and demand thing? Why it's, the there, there are a few factors. So first off, I, you know, I don't ever want to feel like a sellout. I'm going to be like, oh, man, we sold this thing to Applebee's. And maybe if they offer to buy it, actually, I think they're not doing so good these days. Their problem, <laughs> Applebee's is not the path. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been saying that for a while, but it just dawned on me. I was like, ah, not Applebee's, actually. <laughs> so maybe Chili's. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't, it, it would really, it would really hurt our hearts if, you know, we were at the grocery store one day and be like, yeah, 
Is that a Franklin guy? That place used to be cool. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> like, no, that's not cool. Um, yeah, we've worked so hard for this thing. And, uh, you know, we opened up a trailer for less than $12,000. Cash floated over the course of like a couple years. The day we opened the trailer, I had 28 cents in the bank. Um, and then we were in the trailer for one year, almost to the day before we signed a lease on the building. And then it took three months to, to do the remod on the building. And I was the contractor. I am currently the contractor for this current rebuild too. Um, but then we opened up that restaurant for less than $12,000. Um, so like we had a lot of elbow grease in that place. Like, you know, we built the cookers, I built, I customized the warmers, you know, I've even made butcher blocks by hand, you know, like I'm a pretty hardcore do it yourselfer, um, as is Stacy, my wife. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, it's like, kind of goes back to, you know, playing music. It's like, man, I don't want to like be on this huge major label. Like I'd rather be on this other little label and do what we want to do. So yeah, I mean, if we, if we don't sell out, and we don't, you know, have partners, and it's just Stacy and I that own the place. We only have the one location. It's our decision. We can do whatever we want. We could shut it down tomorrow if we want. Oh, it's already closed right now. Darn. Um, but we could not reopen. You know, we can do anything we want. You know, nobody can really tell us like, ooh, I think that sauce is a bad idea. Like, whatever. It's our place. To how much? To that, and I think also the same stuff with you kind of building up the the location. How much of that played into trial and error and just kind of trying different things, both with your food and learning how to put in that swag? The food has been pretty much the same since we opened. I haven't changed the brisket recipe at all. All the side recipes are the same. Uh, the sauce recipes, yeah, I guess everything. I mean, we've kind of tweaked some stuff here and there, but it's pretty much exactly the way it was the first day I opened, except for the pork ribs. It took me about six months to figure those out. Um, but they've been the same forever, too. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we built the building. We kind of, it's kind of... It's interesting because it has changed a lot, and it has been a lot of trial and error, but it's also because we opened up so cheaply that we couldn't afford, I couldn't afford real plywood for the shelves, so I used particle board. It's like, well, this will last a year, and then we'll go back and fix it when we can. Um, so I've been backtracking a lot, um, going and fixing other stuff, but also we've gotten so much busier. Um, when we opened up the trailer, I was cooking two briskets a day during the week, and then three briskets on Saturday and Sunday. And that was pretty much, if one of them sucked, I still had two or one that was hopefully pretty good. Like, it kind of increased my, my chances for, for a successful cook. Um, and now we do 120 a day. Um, so the, just to show how much busier we are now than when we were then, you know, when, I did, when we opened up the trailer, I did a little spreadsheet. I was telling a, a buddy of mine, which is now the general manager of the restaurant, um, it's like, well, if I feed 15 people a day, I think this thing will stay afloat. <laughs> Only 15. Um, but it was also designed for one person operated, and then Stacy helped on the weekends because she kept her job to pay the bills. But um, yeah, so it's gotten so much busier that the trial and error part is like, oh man, now we have to cook this much food. Ooh, we need another cooker. Oh, we got to find a place for this. Ooh, we need another walk-in cooler. We need this. We need that. Um, I mean, even now, I'm still changing stuff. I'm like relocating an ice machine today and, you know, doing a bunch of electrical work at the restaurant. So it's, it's constantly evolving. So, I mean, do you, you started from the trailer and then you made that move the brick and mortar. Would you ever bring back a trailer version or would you just kind of keep... Cause I've, no, I've and that kind of also goes into why we wouldn't expand okay. also. So one of the problems with the expansion and adding a trailer, we do have a to-go trailer behind the uh, restaurant and that's for the pre-order stuff. Um, it'll open again soon too. Um, 
But you know, if we did more, did like ah, go to ACL and, and do food or whatever, the problem is there's not enough food. Like I'm buying 45,000 pounds of brisket a month and I'm buying 100% of the European spec all natural. I'm buying 90, like 91% of prime all natural. Um, so yeah, there's not, enough, there's not enough cows to be had. So how, how does that work? Of what we cook. There's plenty of commodity meat out there, but the stuff that we cook, you know, there, there are only so many cows. So. And so how do you guys compete with the other barbecue places? Obviously, it's huge in Texas and other places. How do you compete with them on that? Um, you know, I've got, some, I've got some pretty sweet deals for meat stuff. There you go. Um, I'm the only guy, I mean, really, like, for the, for the EU stuff that we use. So we use All Prime, um, Angus, Brisket. <clears throat> You know, they don't have growth hormones or any of that stuff. They may or may not have antibiotics. Everybody gets sick. It's not, not that big of a deal. Uh, but the growth hormones, I'm really against that stuff. But, um, yeah, for, like, I'm buying so much of it, and I've got so many allotted. Like, okay, there are only two people in the country that are using the briskets that we use. And I'm, one person's got a pretty small share, and I've got a huge share of these things. So, you know, I went to Sweden last or two summers ago, I guess, and I asked the guys to order the briskets that I use. I went and taught some classes, and the guy comes back and he goes, you know, through all these people and stuff. He's like, ah, man, we can't get them. We can't get the European. This is in Sweden. Uh, we can't get the European briskets. Um, some guy in Texas, they're telling me, <laughs> um, has dibs on all that brisket, and it's a lot. I mean, it's like, you know, several thousand a month, you know, that that are spoken for. But I was like, yeah, that's me. It's okay. You let two cases go out. But that's, I mean, you know, but it's taken eight years to get to that point. And what, what was it that got you there? Was it reputation? Was it you just need the right people? Or what, what was it? Um, I think it started off with me. So as soon when we opened up the trailer, I just bought the best meat that we could afford, which was one Angus brisket a day at Restaurant Depot. Nothing too special. Um, and then probably about a month into the trailer when we could make enough money, and actually, we're selling some stuff. Then I switched to Myers All Natural, because that was doing all natural stuff was pretty pretty big priority. Um, did that, and then when we moved into the building, they couldn't supply enough, so then I found these other guys, and that they could, and they were really nice. We kind of hung out, so we've just been loyal to each other pretty much, and you know. And then I guess the reputation kind of started to pick up after I was using it. So we've kind of built built it up together, I guess. And so that kind of actually is a really good transition to what I wanted to talk about next. So differentiation in the restaurant industry where a lot of people maybe see that as somewhat of a commodity. And in Texas, the biggest thing that, since I've been here, it's, you know, if you can survive for six months, you're probably a pretty good barbecue place. But is it just the meat, or what else do you think has allowed you to stand out amongst... Well, so we need to look and see what the scene was like when we opened. When, did anybody live here eight years ago? So, you remember, there wasn't a lot of barbecue around. You know, there were only... Three places in town that I remember that used real fires. One of them was the pit on Burnett. They still do. Uh, Ruby's and um, Sam's. Salt Lake uses ovens. Um, and I, I actually, I guess the place on 12th, um, whatchamacallit, whatever that place is. Uh, so four guys in town that are using real fires. <clears throat> so that, and you know, there wasn't like a scene for barbecue eight years ago. You're like, oh, let's go to Pokey Joe's and get this. And Pokey Joe's is great and stuff, but that was kind of like the standard thing, like this kind of 80s, like East Texas-y kind of just like 
scrape the bark off, no fat on it, really thinly sliced, probably not very tender, but put it on a bun and dump a bunch of sauce on it, and it's pretty good. So that's kind of what we were up against when we opened. Um, and at that point, you had to drive 45 minutes in any direction to go get pretty darn good barbecue or just pretty good barbecue. You had to go to Luling, you had to go to Lockhart, you had to go to Taylor. Um, Snows wasn't open yet, I don't think. And uh, yeah, so you had to go to like the old school like German Czech places. Um, so that was pretty much our only thing when we opened. So there really wasn't any competition. And I guess we just got lucky by doing it pretty good. So did you take anything from those first brisket recipes from any, anywhere else that you'd been? Or was it just you kind of... No, I just did half salt and half pepper. And I was like, well, this seems like a good starting point. And it's actually still what we do. Yeah. Except we add a little bit of pepper towards the bottom of the shaker. Ooh. Is that, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that the secret? So should people not be taking notes right now? The salt's heavier, so you know, yeah. eventually you just gotta add some. Is that the European salt? No, no, no. No, salt. just straight just Morton's kosher salt. Gotcha. Uh, and we, we've also got a lot of people, so a couple people specifically in my class that are looking to break into the food and beverage industry. Any advice for some of those entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start? Ah, besides don't do it? <laughs> besides don't do it. Um, I think, so... If you look around, like how many people are opening up restaurants? I mean, a gazillion restaurants opened every year. I, I don't even know what the running number is for Austin this year so far, um, but it's pretty nuts. I mean, there's like people are opening restaurants just to open restaurants, and you go in there like, oh, well, that bar's pretty, or these fixtures are nice, or this floor's nice, but the food is probably not super great. It's probably pretty good. You know, a lot of these places they have you know, a cocktail menu that's pretty great. But the things that are lacking are high quality ingredients and just like passionate food. Like there are very few restaurants in town that I can go to every single time and they just completely blow me away. Like less than five, that's pretty sad. You know, and so if you're gonna open a place, don't skimp on, you know, the quality of the food. Don't be like, oh man, this place looks great, we're busy. Because it's not so much about the bar, it's not so much about that, you know, whoever, you know, the host is. It's not so much about, you know, what kind of flashy, you know, light fixtures you've got. It's really about the food. I mean, our place is a dump, but the food's pretty good. <laughs> I built it. <laughs> it's got a dumpy. Um, but, you know, I mean, you go to Uchiko, and the food is amazing every single time. Like, you know, the guest experience is perfect every single time. They're nice. They're knowledgeable. They're hospitable. You know, the food, the drinks are good. Yeah, sure, it's expensive, but it's worth it. I bet... You know, you could go there and dump $400 and leave and be like, man, do we have time to do that again? It's that good. Um, same thing with like Emmer and Rye, hopefully the same thing with our place. Um, so I think that's the thing about like, if you're gonna open up a restaurant, you gotta really know what you're getting into. You know, you're gonna work, uh, if you're doing it right, you're probably gonna work at least 100 hours a week. You're probably not gonna get paid very good. You may or may not be the guy that's cooking. You may or may not be the general manager. You may or may not be the bartender. But you gotta know how to do all that stuff. Like you can't just be like, oh man, we're hiring this guy, we've got this consultant. That stuff doesn't jive. Like you gotta know it. And you gotta really be good at it. So was there ever a moment that when you were in there trying to build a brick and mortar or you know, any point in this kind of run that you've had, which has been pretty amazing, like just kind of going right to the top, that you've ever been like, maybe this isn't worth it? Or has it just always been like, yeah, this is 100% what I wanna do, and then I'll just you know, do rock and roll inside? Um, I think it's totally worth it because we built it and we built it because we were so passionate about it. We're so into it, me specifically, super duper into it. 
Um, maybe I'm not as into it as I was because it's not exciting. It like I'm not like creating new things. You know, it's kind of now we're just maintaining and now I'm just moving ice machines and you know buying new walk-in coolers and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's totally worth it. I mean, I don't know what else I would do. It'd be pretty weird to wake up and not go there in the morning. Yeah, that also so you're kind of talking about that. So obviously, with what happened with with the fire in the smokehouse. Now this kind of gives you a unique opportunity that a lot of entrepreneurs maybe have at an early point, but not when they've experienced significant success. So yeah. rethinking and your business. Rethinking the business, and I think that's probably the number one reason why I wasn't super bummed when we had a fire. Like, I kind of woke up that Saturday morning, got a call at 5.30, I was like, oh, man, day is the day. We'd actually gotten back from vacation at 9.30 p.m. the night before. Um, it just barely, our flights barely made it in. And uh, next morning, big eraser, just... That vacation never really happened. I don't even know what we did, actually. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so I kind of thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, everybody's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. It's the worst thing ever. It's like, hey, it's not that big of a deal. There, there are a lot of aspects to, like, why we shouldn't be bummed out about the fire. Um, and one of them is what you're talking about. You know, I mean, the first thing is that roof leaked. So now we can fix one that, you know, build a better roof. Uh, we need a new walk-in cooler. It was the weekend of Harvey, so we're pretty small potatoes on the grand scale of things. There's a lot of terrible stuff in this world right now. And our little restaurant catching on fire. Who cares? It's just a building. Nobody got hurt, you know? Um, also, we cook with fire in a small room, and it's kind of bound to happen eventually. It was a wood-framed building. Um, I was kind of I was kind of prepared for something bad to happen one day. <laughs> so it wasn't a big shock when the phone rang. Um, but, you know, the, the cool thing, and I think the, the most positive aspect of, of the fire and being shut down for a few months is the fact that we do get to rethink it. Like, we're totally been given, like, a rare opportunity because, you know, like you're saying, you get so busy, it's like, well, how do you change this? How do you stop? How do you do maintenance? How do you, we cook 24 hours. I mean, it just, it never stops. It's always time to make the donuts. Um, so being shut down a little bit, you know, has given me a little bit of time to actually spend time with the family. We're like, okay, this is great. Like, I don't have to work, you know, 18 hours a day, and I'm not going back. They can't make me go back. They don't even need me anyway. Everybody, I don't even cook anymore. They totally don't need me. Um, but the, the best thing about it is, is that we get to kind of restructure some stuff and where kind of the biggest hurdle for Franklin Barbecue has always been that everybody thinks it's one guy that started this place. Everybody thinks it's one guy that runs it. Like, I'll walk outside and be like, oh, man, shouldn't you be cooking right now? Who's cooking all the food? And I know they're kidding, but it's like, really, man? Like, no. It takes a lot more than one guy to cook, you know, 120 briskets, 72 racks of ribs, 30 pork butts, um, 25 turkey breasts, 150 pounds of sausage, serve 700 people, and cook 24 hours. So it's cool that now we can finally, you know, kind of get through that. So, like... Officially, I'm not the only guy that works there, uh, for the record. But the fact that it started off as a one-man show with my wife paying the bills and stuff, like, nobody really understands that, like, she is about 50% of this. You know, like, she pays the bills. She helped do everything. I mean, you know, all that stuff. So now instead of, like, a restaurant that's evolved out of a trailer, that evolved out of some guy's backyard... It's actually a restaurant that's built by everyone. So everybody at the, that works at the restaurant, there's about 34 people on payroll. 
give or take 34. Um, you know, everybody's getting paid, so everybody still comes in and they're hanging out and they're painting stuff and, you know, we're cleaning stuff out and we're moving this and there's four guys out at the welding shop. Uh, there's three people at the office. So now it's like everybody's got a part of building this new restaurant. Everybody, it's not, it's not Franklin Barbecue anymore. It's like everybody's barbecue. And I think that's just about the coolest thing ever. So when you, kind of from where you started off, when it was just you, how did you go about building that team and like people you trust to keep that product to be excellent? Well, it started off really small. I mean, eight years ago, we hired one guy, hired another guy, and then just kind of, you know, you, you sort of figure it out. We really don't hire people based on skill, although it's nice if they know how to do stuff. Um, but we really hire more based on work ethic, if I think they're going to fit in. Are they going to be part of the family? I, I don't want to say team because that sounds like, you know, hospitaliano. Um, but, you know, are they going to fit into our family? I mean, we spend a lot of time together. We're, we cook 24 hours a day. There are people getting there at midnight. There are people leaving at 4 in the morning. You know, people get tired, and they've got to really lock in. They've really got to care for each other, um, you know, and they've got to be there to help each other out a lot. So it's more than just like a job where you show up. So we really – I try to hire people that I think are going to fit in, you know, with a little bit of skill, like, are you good with your hands? Do you have common sense? Um, do you like to work on cars? Do you like to build things? You know, did you go to culinary school? If you did, you're probably not going to get a job <laughs> at our place. Uh, because, you know, I don't want to take on somebody else's bad habits. And it takes about three years to really train somebody to cook where they really, really start getting pretty darn good at it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's based way more on personality. And just kind of, if we think they're going to stick around for a while, it's like, can you give me three years? All right, cool. So last serious one before we get to some, some lighter, fun questions. Uh, so I know you did a lot of stuff with Hurricane Harvey. You kind of mentioned it. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about some of the relief efforts that you helped out with there. Um, so we did two, two benefits on two Sundays at the Mohawk downtown on a 10th and Red River. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to make some food and raise some money. I haven't, we're still, I'm still waiting on all the invoices to come back to figure out exactly how much money we made. Um, but I think we did pretty good. Is that important, an important part of what you got to do at Franklin's? Or totally, totally. Yeah, we, we are, we are into giving money. <laughs> <laughs> you make, you make a good bit too, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Share a little. All right, so this is one that I've been dying to ask. I, as soon as I got Well, down, my favorite color is green. Yes. That, that was, <laughs> the other thing I've been dying to ask, so I moved down here about a year ago, and pretty much the first time I moved down here, uh, I heard this story about, you know, no one skips the line at Franklin's, no one skips the line at Franklin's. I heard a story that uh, Kanye got denied skipping the line. Is that true or false? Um, so that was in the New York Times. <laughs> and maybe got a little blown out of proportion. I never saw Kanye. Um, man, I know there's a Kanye pun in there. Kanye, tell me? I don't know. Um, I don't even know what the guy looks like, so I wouldn't, I, I don't really know. Don't so, watch too much of uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Totally, totally not watching that show. Um, but, so really what did happen is I was standing in the kitchen one morning, it's about 10.30, 10.45, just about to open up for lunch, drinking an espresso, Pinky's out, um, having a spro, and, and two people walked in the kitchen door, um, wearing sunglasses and they're dressed real nice and stuff. It was like, who are you? Why are you, what, what? what's going on? Like, oh, we need the special table. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> you're like, no, we, uh, we're, we're VIPs. I'm like, oh, okay, you're like, we're, we're with Kanye. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Well, so, and that was before we had the smokehouse. So this is probably the slickest move I've ever had. I'm going to tell my kid this one day, and she's going to think I'm a moron. <laughs> um, so I opened up the, the kitchen door. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll show you where the VIPs are. Kind of guide them outside. And there was a line pretty far down. I was about halfway in the morning. I was like, see the back of that line? Those are all VIPs down there. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> but I never saw the guy, so it, it's hard to say. There was a limo parked out front. But who knows? Who knows? It could have been John Bon Jovi. I don't know. So is there a line skipping policy? I've heard, I've heard Obama has, has skipped the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obama did. Um, he didn't ask. <laughs> I think it would have been totally fine, though. Um, yeah, I had actually, I was out running some errands, and I got to go, I was like, man, you better get back here. This place is swarming with Secret Service. Like, yee! Whittle my way, whittle through campus. Um, and I got there, and we ended up hanging out for a, a little bit and stuff. But yeah, super red guy. They, uh, they kind of swooped in and hung out, and yeah, seemed, seemed super nice. Did you sample everything, just the brisket? They got a lot of food. Lot. Um, they took a lot of food back to, uh, to the plane. And um, yeah, he bought some people lunch, hung out. There's a cool picture of um, we. Uh, I actually walked it, was walking in the side door as he was walking out with a box of meat, and uh, opened up the door and he was like right there. I was like you, and he was like you, and he put down the meat and then we just talked for probably about like 45 minutes and kind of held our kiddo and just kind of, you know, he had the backstory. He wasn't wearing an earpiece. He was pretty, pretty well read fellow. Um, yeah, he might have read the story on the wall. I don't know. <laughs> so he started in a trailer. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, blah 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 blah. It's real nice. Still an awesome opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So, based on that kind of experience that obviously you go to Franklin, it's the tailgate thing, what's the longest that you have waited in line personally for any food? Ooh. Uh, oh, I don't do lines. <laughs> no. <laughs> totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. That would be, that'd be pretty weird. Um, I, uh, probably like an hour, I guess. I don't know. I, um, I've waited up a con lodge for a while. That was probably only about 45 minutes, I guess. Um, mm, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've really stood in line for, I mean, yeah, not for the cronut. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think my but if there was food and there was a line and I wanted that food, I certainly wouldn't complain about standing in line. It's Franklin barbecue that food. Ah, uh, you know, I'm pretty tired of eating barbecue. I'm just, <laughs> just not that into it. <laughs> well, that actually brings me to the next question. So, okay, you've got perfect brisket. What's your favorite drink to pair with brisket? Um, it depends on the day. Um, it could just be a super ice-cold, unsweetened iced tea. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, but probably, it, so there are, two, there are two types of barbecue. Um, if, it's a, if it's a beverage to go with an entire tray of barbecue, like if, so if it was our barbecue, it would be a Pilsner. It would be like a Live Oak Pils or like a Pearl Snap or something like that. Clean, crispy, you know, super sharp beer, not too heavy on the hops. Um, but really, if I'm somewhere else and I'm just doing brisket or something really, really rich, for some strange reason, I really like a canned Dr. Pepper. Just warmed up a little bit. <laughs> like, kind of like, maybe like, you know, 55 degree range. Not straight out of the fridge. Because the flavors get a little different when they get warmed up. Is that the same thing with barbecue or just with Dr. Pepper? Um, just with Dr. Pepper. Just with Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Don't try it with beer. <laughs> 
Okay, so best restaurant in Austin, not named Franklin Barbecue. Oh, Uchiko for sure. Uchiko. Yeah, baby faves. What's the go-to meal there? Uh, 12 of everything. <laughs> is that the go-to meal at Franklin Barbecue, or is that a prescription for meat sweats? Um, a, a little bit of both, actually. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a Franklin Barbecue, I mean, of course the brisket, but really the turkey's kind of my favorite thing. It's kind of a sleeper. But, I, I mean, it would, it would be weird if you stood in line and didn't get everything. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, just give me a chopped meat sandwich. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> you have people that do that, though, right? I've had a few people try to order chopped beef sandwiches or just like, eh, I don't know, give me a sandwich. I'm like, nah, here's six pounds. <laughs> have a nice day. Hope it's worth it. So you, you also had a lady try to order fried chicken once. <laughs> uh, what did you say to her? I don't remember. <laughs> I, was, I was actually cutting that day for lunch. I think I set down the knife. I was like, like um, let's talk for a minute. Let's, let's, let's have a powwow. Let's riff. Um, I was like, have you, have you, do you know where you are? He's like, ah, oh, I don't know. I was just hanging out. I was like, it's fine, but I'm just, how hungry are you? And then I just made her food, but it's like, no chicken nuggets for you. And she, she liked it better than me, chicken nuggets. I never followed up. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was kind of hoping that she would just leave. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite non-Texas style barbecue? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, nobody ever asked me that. Thanks. Whole hogs in one of the Carolinas. Okay. Yeah. I, like, two favorite bites would be Hemingway, South Carolina, uh, Rodney Scott. Man, like, I can cook it. I cook a whole hog. Um, and then uh, Sam, a fellow named Sam Jones uh, cooked some really, really amazing hog. Uh, that's actually one of, when you think of, like, some of the best bites you've ever had of any food, where you just kind of close your eyes, like, oh, man, I never want to forget this. Uh, Crackling from Sam Jones is one of those bites. Straight off the pig at uh, something that we were cooking together at. And uh, yeah, that guy's pretty great. He, uh, his restaurant is in Aden, North Carolina. And then now he has a place in, um, I want to say Charleston maybe, but he just opened up a new place. But anyway, yeah, Whole Hogs in one of the Carolinas. Throw that one down. Um, what about, so with, with barbecue sauce, so you're brisket with barbecue sauce or without barbecue sauce? I would say without, try it without, um, but I'm not opposed to dipping a little on the side. Yeah. Just, you know, don't, don't dump it all over. Somebody worked real hard on that. Just check it out first before you, before you squirt a bunch of sauce on there. Last, last formal question we've got. So if you weren't doing barbecue, what other job would you be doing? And you kind of talked a little bit about it. So. Yeah, I think I would probably be doing the same thing that I do now. I'm pretty much a lead maintenance guy. When it comes down to it, I'm like, eh, do some emails, fix this, order this part, fix the motor on this thing, run to the welding shop, design, mock up some stuff, get the guys working on some things. Um, kind of just running errands all the time. So I guess I, I would be doing that. Um, but if I had to pick like something that I was just going to go to work and actually do, like cooking barbecue, I bet it would be brewing beer, roasting coffee, or something like that. Um, and I'm really into carpentry, too. So I used to build, uh, I used to do like, built-in like bookcases and stuff a long, long time ago, and I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> Bonus question, since you just mentioned coffee, best place for coffee in the city when you're on your way to Franklin? Uh, figure eight, figure eight. on Chicago. 